this is going to start out as a model rail radio and then seamlessly it's going to morph into what I'm calling Tom Barbalay Starts a Podcast. The new podcast recording that I'm going to attempt to do over the next few weeks to see what actually happens out of this thing. But it's going to be a great opportunity to talk candidly about a bunch of stuff that I haven't been able to talk candidly about for many years. And also just catch up with friends such as yourself. Ron, how's your uh, how's your Saturday morning looking? Uh, doing great. Working on new kits and uh, printing stuff out. Having a good time. So I've got a bunch of layouts in front of me, and this is also probably one of the more famous of the Model Rail Radio shows for the year, which is also a great show to launch a podcast on, because we are doing the Model Rail Radio Layout Design Contest 2023, and my view is that this is by far the best layout design contest we've done so far. Absolutely. I think there is some great entries in. I was just looking them over yesterday and then this morning, and you know some of the ones that just were basic sketches uh, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. But then I look, really looked at the track plan. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah. And I'm like, wow. That, <laughs> they really put some effort into this thing. Now, scales and everything. Oh, yeah. Look, I've got, I've got five notable layouts, and I've got two that I think are my favorites. This was the best way I could do it. I was trying to find – I thought I could get a top three together. And I probably could if I was – if you were making a really big deal out of us getting this thing unified. But the aim is there are going to be two winners. And I think for the first time in many years, and he's a good friend of mine, Robert Thomas, Robert Thomas may not even be in the final two. It's like people have been studying his work for the past how many years <laughs> and have realized how to do Robert Thomas better than Robert Thomas. But it is a particularly interesting year because he is in my notable mentions currently, unless you can force him up into the top two, because I think there are just so many strong entries this year. Absolutely. I, I have to agree. He had, a, he had a good entry, but not in the top two this time. Uh-huh. I, I gotta agree with that. So why don't I give you my top two, and then I'll take your top two, and maybe your top two also encounters my notable mentions. The Petty Kodiak Falls Branch and the Market Cross and Port Stewart Railroad on ON30 are my top two. What are your top two? It would be the Petty Kodiak Falls, mm-hmm. so we agree on that one. Mm-hmm. And the one that caught my eye was the small piece of Sweden. Ooh, that's in my notable mentions okay that one i really I, I was looking at that this morning and just the way he has it as a, a two level but it's Ooh. almost a, like an up and over and and he's out robert thomas robert thomas as well i mean the photos just as a start i this was an interesting one to me because this was slightly too squarish for me and it was an interesting one because normally these squarish layouts just knock it off by a few degrees some angles get some more slightly angular track that's why it wasn't in my top group and I think um, true throughout Robert Thomas and Robert Thomas, it certainly. So I'm willing to say, just to wrap this thing up, uh, also shout outs once again to Robert Thomas for an amazing entry. But uh, these two, the Petty Kodiak Falls branch and the small piece of Sweden, and with notable mention also to the Market Cross and Port Stewart Railroad, uh, it's a Southern Hemisphere layout. It's an ON30. I had to give it a plug um, that for one, that. That one was my third. I was, Very I good. So we, we were close. We were close at all three. That sounds like a perfect note. I will PayPal you the 50 bucks and we can work out if they can get in contact with you through the MindMap Models website. We will get out their, their $50 gift certificates. And in terms of the, there was a second part to this layout design contest, which was for you to get a sense of what the next scales or interesting scales or interesting structures and interesting scales. Did you get anything from the layout design contest with regards to that? The ON3, uh, some of the factories, the bigger factories are looking for, Ooh. you know, in O scale. Um, but the one that I, I'm getting a lot of feedback on is 
Tom's Top Dogs, actually, mm. for going into S-Scale. Interesting. At the past couple shows, some S-Scale guys have mentioned it because they say not only would it be good on railroads, on their model railroads, but also the, the die-cast collectors. Ooh. And, it, and they'd like to display their cars, so what better spot than in front of a hot dog stand? I'm not familiar with – I mean, I'm familiar with the die-cast collectors of the 1950s, but are the contemporary die-cast collectors, the contemporary American Flyer stuff, like sufficiently photorealistic for that kind of stuff, or is it just a nice nice model to have on a layout? Or well, it's it's all just regular one sixty fourth. A lot mm-hmm. of the die cast models are are made in one sixty fourth, so it's perfect for that for S scale. Mm. Um, and then one thing that I was talking with one guy in um, in Timonium, Maryland show last month, and he was saying, check out the the farm modelers for Ooh. farming equipment. So I, you know, I'm sitting there talking with him. I look, I hop on a quick Google search, and I'm looking through. He's like, it's big. So <laughs> there's some crazy modelers out there that just love farm equipment they'll, they'll have giant dioramas of, <laughs> of tractors and manure spreaders and just amazing stuff i was like holy cow yes like, yeah you really got to start looking into that yes there are a few modelers that think the tractors are sexy i'll just leave it to that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it is there are so many different avenues, and I'm, I was talking to you before things got a little anxious for me about what's happening with World. What, let me say it right because I'll say Warhammer the Old World, which is what it's called. Warhammer the Old Warhammer the Old World. There are too many words in that. Anyway, this is where 3D printing potentially makes a really critical part of the game because you have to change all the base sizes and a bunch of additional things. And something I've really enjoyed through the week, I have your uh, cutout at arm's length on my shelf and, and kind of pride of place display for when things get back to normal with me and I'm able to actually order some from you. But I think this this role you have as being the conduit to so many different hobbies, so many different aspects of the, the, the hobby being model railroading, I'm finding really fascinating. Yeah, I was actually just checking out that, that base holder that you're talking about for the Warhammer and I can see it being used in a bunch of different um, applications, just modifying it. I was hanging out with some friends last weekend, and I never knew that they were into role-playing games, actually, <laughs> growing up. I haven't really hung out with the guys in over 20 years. And here they got into uh, role-playing war, uh, Warhammers mm-hmm. and also uh, Star Wars. So they're both in big time in both of those. Yeah, and, and they were showing me some of the figure paintings that they've been doing. Oh, yeah. And he, one guy just discovered the washes. I said, they're a game changer. Believe me. They, yeah. yeah, they bring out all the highlights and lowlights. And, well, then yeah. you can add additional highlights as well. You do washes and highlights, and that's really where it's at. Like You yep. do the washes and then just little ridges, just identifying little ridges just to make them slightly brighter. And you've got a well-painted miniature for next to no time, next to no energy. So that's what it's all about. So I was, I was painting miniatures just this morning. Mm. Uh, well... Different type of miniature, not the, not the Warhammer. Sin. It was little seagulls and uh, lobster trap buoys and Ooh, stuff like that for my, nice. new, for my new kit coming out. So, yeah, they, they, the seagull was minuscule. I think it's maybe five-eighths of an inch. That's the full wingspan. And uh, I decided to paint beaks and eyes and feathers, and I'm, I'm going a little crazy with this diorama. But. <laughs> <laughs> You're becoming a seagull aficionado out of the whole thing. Uh, Interesting. Interesting stuff. So I was going to talk a little bit about – oh, firstly, I wanted to shout out uh, John Gardina the fourth. I actually wrote down from his email address that it was the fourth. Uh, and Gordy Robinson – John Gardina's just started a new podcast called the Proto Future Podcast, 
which is the most unmodel rail model rail podcast I've ever heard. It's quite curious because it's almost well, it is taken to an extreme intentionally. A bunch of different topics he touches upon, many of which I'm not actually quite comfortable touching upon yet um, in any of my podcast recordings. But he just strikes me as a really fascinating character, someone who obviously has been part of the Model Rail podcast phenomena for, I don't know, the better part of, what, nearly two decades, I would assume. Um, yeah. And he's just got a really interesting new podcast. So I just wanted to give him a shout-out on probably the top Model Rail radio of the year in terms of people listening in, just because I think it's an interesting direction to take. I mean, it's very much from... And he does all the classification. I don't do the classification down, but probably the, the next generation of Model Railroaders with the view that what they consider contemporary prototypes or prototypes of interest are completely different from what historically model railroaders have discussed. That's probably about as G-rated as I can get with regards to um, the, the premise of his podcast, because he does take it in a wide variety of directions. But I just was in a kind of, I was taking, I was on a walk, as you often are, with listening to podcasts, and I was just like, right on, guy, right on, dude, do what you need to do here, because I think the... The whole nature of the hobby being perturbed, and this is where I can also shout out Gordy Robinson. Gordy Robinson turned up at my door through the week, and we sat down. He had a Diet Coke. I wasn't drinking anything at the time. I was just in awe of the fact that I had Gordy Robinson in front of me, NMRA president, who has just completely transformed the NMRA and has a long and tortured road ahead of him. And he was brutally honest, which I thought was the... I talked with Gordy, I don't know, you can probably count the podcast maybe a dozen times previously, and you always get the sense that there's some deep honesty behind this thing, which you can't obviously say necessarily publicly. But to have the ability of chatting with Gordy Robinson in private was just such a luxury. And you've met him multiple occasions, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. Gordy is uh, the, the passion with Gordy and John. Uh, those two guys, they they it's it's palpable. I mean, <laughs> the way palpable they, is the word I'd use. Yes. <laughs> yep they they have so much passion. When, it, when they're sitting there talking about trains or model railroading or just the NMRA or um, with John's knowledge of some of the railroads. I was on a, uh, a chat on Wednesday and he was on there oh, spew, cool. spewing his knowledge. Very good. <laughs> and, yeah. So he's still quite active in the community, right? Oh, yeah. Seems like it. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, no doubt the Proto Future podcast is going to be heard by others and uh, – Please take my caveat warnings to heart when you listen to it. I think it's great, firstly, that he's getting out and he's getting voice. He hadn't heard of the transgender model rail community, which, are, which they call themselves transgender, I think. And this was a group that I've had longstanding connections with, thanks to Model Rail Radio, fascinating group of people who self-identify as transgender and then have just amazing stories and just fascinating people. So he had never heard of them. Which I can't, I mean, he's obviously listened to my podcast periodically. But um, anyway, so we had a, a good chat about that as well. And just, John, more power to you. It's great having another Model Rail podcast out there. And it's great having another Model Rail podcast that doesn't necessarily want to keep everyone happy, which I think is a, an interesting problem that one has when one's a podcaster. The pot has to be stirred sometimes. Amen. Stuff up to the Amen. top. Believe me, this is a very fiery pot of bursting bubbles, and uh, there's a lot of hot sauce in this particular pot. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit because you and I have known each other for years, Rob. And I think we first met when another podcast that I've done called Attic Aficionados. I went out to where was it? Was it, it wasn't Marwa, New Jersey? It was just south of Marwa. I yeah. forget the town. It was a it was a toy and collectors and comic. Um, convention 
convention, basically, yeah. Yeah, it was a very strange that whole period because we'd just done a road trip across the US. We picked up my mother-in-law in Westchester, Pennsylvania. For folks who are familiar with Brandon DiCamillo and his work, he's part of the original Jackass. He's a group that I never thought I would be connected with, and then I got connected with them here. Well, I got connected with them historically because they were looking to move to digital video, which digital video 15, 20 years ago was just a no-brainer for the stuff that they do. But anyway, so I've known Brandon on and off. He actually has appeared on Model Rail Radio too. So um, I wasn't aware of that. That's yeah, cool. he's in one of the early episodes. I think he's in episode 12 from memory. Uh, he calls in and we have a brief chat. So, yeah, the ability to do a podcast with him, but just the whole – the whole experience kind of ended in a whirlwind, which was the whirlwind of actually visiting uh, Westchester, Pennsylvania and actually meeting Brandon on location. And it was one of these strange things that I think there's always some curious element associated with that whole crew. And this was just one of those curious elements. But anyway, that's one of the many podcasts that I've recorded historically. And also I mentioned briefly My Rules Better, probably another podcast that I've recorded historically worth shouting out that I'll be talking about Ron's upcoming uh Warhammer the Old World products on, um, no doubt, hopefully as, as things resolve themselves. But I have a bunch of other topics that I wanted to consider here. The, the first call I made, I called Ron Second this morning. The first call I made was to the woman who I call my spiritual advisor on particular podcasts, and she gave me the all clear to do this podcast as well, which is always important. Did you ever listen to the old Stone Apes? Were you a listener back then? Not of the Stone Apes, no. I never got to listen to those. The My Rules Are Better... Uh, the Attic Aficionados, of course, Model Rev Radio was the first one. That's how I discovered you. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to all those, but not none of the Stone Ape stuff. Stone Apes are worth listening to if you just want a completely different kind of take on a variety of different things. And I think it was a very honest, well, relatively honest, open podcast with a gentleman called Heron Stone, who's just the kind of universe, universal 70-year-old-plus curmudgeon um, who's just a really interesting character and has an amazing podcast voice. One of the luxuries I've had through podcasts is occasionally having co-hosts that just have amazing podcast voices. I've got to give a shout out here to Terry Terrence as well. His podcasting mic is looming overhead. Uh, he's still alive. He's still surviving. He still seems to be out there. I've yet That's to receive to the call. Um, but, you know, Terry Terrence is one of these people who also has an amazing podcast voice. And oh. it was just luxury. Have you ever met Terry? Uh, yeah, a few times in Springfield show. Springfield, yeah. Yeah, cool. he was at the O-Scale, King, King, uh, King of O-Scale booth. Yeah, O-Scale Kings, yeah. Yep. Now, I, I used to have a little plaque, which I gave to a former co-worker, um, that said, the King of All Scales, which I think represented his personality as well, independent of the model railroading hobby. So that was a great thing to uh, to have to pass on. I also gave a call to my friend Derek Stutzman, who I hope will be on this podcast coming up. Derek is a former co-worker of mine. And also someone who has appeared on My Rules of Better. Uh, he was very big. You talk about role playing and how important role playing is. When he first uh, arrived at my former employer, he commented that he'd never done any Dungeons and Dragons before. And this for me, did you ever play D and D as a as a youth? Uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a young teenager, a couple of my friends they were really into it. And uh, I always would make a character. I'd do a, a couple of, of meets and, and some adventures, and then I'd, I'd tail off a little bit and go back to my trains and everything. Actually, one of the guys that is that I used to do with, he's one of my best friends since basically kindergarten. He retired early, and he's traveling. Uh, he was in Malaysia. Now he's in Thailand. Wow. And, yeah. Oh, I think you've posted his photos to Facebook, haven't you? You've yeah, a couple, his couple videos. of videos. Yeah, he yeah. started doing some YouTube videos on their travels. They're kind of documenting for the families and everything. And um, 
he everywhere he's going, he's finding role playing game stores, mm. and he's he's just like hopping in and doing some adventures, and he's doing the D and D all over Southeast Asia. And stuff. Wow, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He said it's some of the groups are a little I different. Remember D and D stores in Southeast Asia? There was a lot of like strange, curious nerd pursuits. I once went to uh, I traveled around Malaysia and Thailand in my late teens, early twenties. And I remember once going to a heavy metal concert was all done with traditional instruments like the gamelans and things like that. Oh, wow. And they're playing heavy metal music like the you know the riffs and the guitar you know solos and stuff. But they were using instruments that were you know part of their historical legacy more than guitars and things. And it was really just spun my head basically on in circles just watching this thing. Didgeridoo, didgeridoo um, no, didgeridoos unfortunately are indicative of, of Australia Australia's rather yeah. than um, Malaysia and Thailand. Malaysia and Thailand have their own instruments, and it's something I knew about because I learned Indonesian as a boy and went to the Indonesian embassy on a regular basis. My father's second wife is also an Indonesian specialist, so I knew the instruments beforehand, having played them. I actually, at the time, bought a flute to bring back to a guy in Australia, and it wasn't the it wasn't the flute he was originally. <laughs> so I bought this thing back. It's like a big kazoo-sounding uh, instrument, which is actually a flute. But, yeah, anyway, lots of travels around Malaysia, and uh, certainly I like the spirit of videographing that particular th- aspect, but I didn't realise he went into stores, so I need to probably go back and subscribe to that channel. You need to re-promote it, Ron. It's your job. <laughs> there we go. But, anyway, so I've got in my list of notes only a few more things associated with this future podcast recording. When I set up the Patreon site this morning, it wouldn't let me set up a regular connection to Facebook. The only connection I could get was through my Field of Klaus, Just Blank Cast book series, which very similar to my discussions with Ron associated with Warhammer the Old World. You know, when my circumstances changed, I had to pause. But it's very interesting because this was a book that I originally wrote 30 years ago and wrote about a particular kind of revolutionary colony in Australia. You might call them cyber hippies. You might call them a variety of different things. My mother at the time was a diplomat in Australia, and actually through her contacts in the diplomatic corps, I was able to talk to various intelligence officers that were concerned about the environment that I'd just left and concerned about deprogramming, amongst other things. And ironically, my mother, who has read this book on multiple prior occasions, decided to actually or agree to actually edit the book now with her experiences and insight. So she has particular insights on the experience. Um, to give some background to folks listening in, there's a fellow who people might have heard of called Julian Assange, who's probably the most famous Australian in my lifetime. And I knew Julian Assange when I was in Australia. He was a really objectionable, questionable type even back then. Um, and he's someone who I probably wouldn't have historically admitted to knowing. But it kind of gives an indication of the... I mean, the stuff he used to do in Australia was just very bizarre. He was one of these people that would like to pretend that he was doing illegal things and then contact the police and do a variety of different things. I mean, he was well known to the police, um, certainly when I knew him. Um, anyway, so that's that, they're not the kinds of crowds I ran with when I was in Australia. I wrote antiviral software, which was for the Australian government, ironically, um, which was very um, straight-laced compared to the likes of what Julian Assange wanted to do or would go on to do. But anyway, so that was the only page I could get access to. But it's ironic also because I'm working with a friend of mine called uh, Craig Fraser, who I hope will get on future recordings as well, who's just an amazing graphic designer and artist who I worked on a book called Beyond the Little Blue Box, which was never actually, which was published but never actually fully promoted and analysed, and it contains a long, well, it's the biography of the phone hacker John Draper Crunch, who 
actually lives in Las Vegas and actually has historically called me on a regular basis. I don't know if he'll appear on this podcast going forward. <laughs> But he's a very interesting character, and certainly the stuff I wrote about him in the book was very interesting, and the book never actually got to see the light of day properly, but my hope is that I'll have a chance to talk with uh, Craig in some recording somewhere just to have a chance to chat with that. I also want to give a shout-out to Dave Falkenberg, who's a long-time Model Rail Radio participant and also has been really good through this period of time. He's someone who... Have you ever met Dave Falkenberg, Ron? Not, no, I haven't, just through the podcast. He's a big character. He's the kind of guy when you meet him, you'll, he'll take you, he'll squirrel you away for an hour and a half. He'll take you on a long walk, which is a standard way of doing things, uh, and have the opportunity to chat. And Dave has been really good through uh, through recent times. So shout out to Dave Falkenberg. So this has been a shorter than perhaps intended. Tom Barbele starts a podcast recording. Ron, any topics, any things you'd like me to cover in the podcast? Any ideas as we talk more? I mean, if you just keep it as a a variety hour type of thing. That's the idea. Where, yeah. Um, you know, have splatter, smatterings of model railroading, of, of um, role-playing games. And, and is that the direction you're looking to go? There are heavier topics here that I'd like to touch upon. I mean, I've mentioned John Draper Crunch. He's a good example of this. Yeah. Um, okay. I think certainly I don't know whether my spiritual advisor would be an active participant. She's certainly someone who's seen a lot through living with me and seeing a lot through just a general, I don't know, we've been together for 22 years now. Um, so my view is to make it slightly more interesting than just the standard podcasts I've put out to date. Obviously, ah, okay. I have to be very careful about what I say about certain things still, even though I had to be more careful a few months ago associated with what I said about certain things. Um, and certainly, so I have down here, what happens when a wealthy individual tries to destroy your livelihood? Um, that has been the experience that I've had over recent years. Um, and I've had that very, so that could be a topic that was sent out there. Um, a variety of other things. I mean, it's going to be really interesting. I have another friend who actually was my introduction to Patreon and also someone who I worked with. And Mayuko is a fascinating character because she has basically, I don't know how many thousand subscribers she has on YouTube, but she has a YouTube presence associated with the tech industry. And she and I have had a number of really interesting people that we've known out in the community, but she also, there's an incredibly dark side um, to her just participation, just her being, you know, uh, someone who's out there presenting on particular topics. And I think certainly we are both, we are both the fathers of daughters, right? So we have a particular indication of how let's leave the topic just there. I'll let her discuss <laughs> it more because it really is very curious to me. And it made me realize, one of the things I love doing, which is why you and I are talking more than anything, is I love getting together with people I podcast with. I love getting together with people who I've met through podcasts, learning more about them. Obviously, I've got to send a, a shout out here to Lionel Strang as well, who has been the preeminent podcaster on Patreon, although others have, have come and gone. Um, he certainly has always been on my case about why I've chosen Patreon for many years. I'm not sure if you're <laughs> scribbling down notes there or other things. It was very interesting actually seeing Gordy Robinson because Gordy's one of the few people who's met Lionel repeatedly and appeared on his podcast repeatedly as well. So it was a good opportunity to have a chat about how Lionel's doing and things like that too. But yeah, got to give a shout out to Lionel Strang. Mayoko, uh, well, I hope we'll be, I'll be able to get on the podcast sometime in the future. Maybe Lionel Strang. I mean, Lionel is a fascinating guy. Outside the hobby of model railroading, Lionel's got a lot to talk about as well. Absolutely. On all kinds of subjects. I mean, the, the stories that he'll he'll tell you—they come from all different directions. I mean, yep. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. 
So, Robert, any other thing, any final words before we round it out, aside from the fact that the layout design contest this year has been a, a slamming success and really looking forward to getting the prizes out to uh, to the two contest winners? Yep. No, I, I'm really happy with the entries. I couldn't believe you kept sending me all these entries. And I, think I know. To, and this is eight, through a period of time where... Eight or where, nine. Eight or nine, yeah. This is through a period of time where I wasn't actually doing any podcasts. So, obviously, the lack of podcast recordings were driving people to actually do these layout designs. Yeah, the show were they were few and thin between there. So, yeah, I was surprised that they just kept coming. Um, we got eight or nine really good designs, like you were saying, probably three, four really you know top tier designs. And I think we got some really nice uh, some winners that really deserve what um, they you know, the the stories and uh, the, the behind the scenes and the backstories of, of their layouts. They did okay. a fantastic job. The other thing that I would like to mention is it was sponsored or. Uh, by my mount models, so I like to throw that out there. I do have a, a new um, limited run kit coming out, so I'm excited to have that finally. I, there had a couple weeks to delay because of a. You laser. can't announce it as yet. Oh, it's yep. You can. Are you putting this out real soon? <laughs> well, yeah, no. This is going to be a fast release podcast, so my view is probably within the next day or so. Is that okay? Sure, go for it. Um, I'm not going to officially re- release it until um, a little more than a couple days. Okay, ne- next weekend. Okay. But, um, yeah, you can release it anytime you want. Uh, the new kit is going to be called Crown Transfer. It's a uh, it's a large, highly detailed kit. Uh, makes a waterfront scene. It's along a wharf. It, it has uh, transfer cranes and loading docks, and it'll have all kinds of details, 3D printed details that I've I've made up over the past couple months. I've been really working hard at this thing, and I'm excited to put it out. It'll be my first limited run. I'm, Very cool. Yep, it'll probably. I'm shooting for probably 125 kits made, Ooh, and we're okay. just going to keep it at that. Wow. Uh, then originally, I got a little bit ambitious, and when I first started designing it, I had about five or six other additional buildings mm. that I designed prior because I started with the smallest building, worked my way up to the big main structure. And my wife's like, are you sure you're going to be able to get this done soon? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then I actually started building the kits. I'm like, this is going to take a while. So... The limited run kit will be the main structure, which you'll see in the next week or so. Very cool. And um, then there'll be a series. Uh, it was is uh, the Echo Point Harbor series, mm-hmm. and uh, there'll be included all kinds of different structures that support that scene. That will, if you buy them all, will end up making a really cool waterfront town, basically along this harbor. And it's going to include all kinds of stuff. So I'm excited to get that stuff out over the next few months. Very cool, Ron. And yep. this podcast is probably going to be represented at Barbalet, my last name, B-A-R-B-A-L-E-T dot com. I was thinking of finding another URL, but that seems to be the easiest one to start off with. Obviously, Model Rail Radio is discussed, Model Rail Radio, all one word, dot com. And my hope is that um, something will happen in the next few months that will enable me to put out future podcasts in Model Rail Radio. And it's interesting, actually, in this kind of transitional phase, because there are certain employers that don't allow you to actually produce podcasts. You may not know that, Ron, just in general passing, but certain tech employers don't like podcasts. So who knows what I happens in the future? I think it's a little bit of the freedom that they don't like. <laughs> Something like that. Something an, like that. An open, open mic and, uh, and an opinion. Amen. A dangerous thing, an open mic and opinion. That's certainly, I think you've given the tagline for the podcast already. So pleasure chatting with you as always, Ron. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. You too, Tom. Thanks so much. Take care. See ya.